person. She had a way of getting on with all sorts of people, and although they had not known her very long, both Ludovic and Theodora looked upon her as an old friend. Ludovic was tall and somewhat ungainly, but his unhesitating placidity gave him the appearance of a dignity that did not otherwise pertain to him. He had a drooping, silky brown moustache and a little curly tuft of imperial, a fashion which was regarded as eccentric in Grafton, where men had clean-shaven chins or went full-bearded. His eyes were dreamy and pleasant, with a touch of melancholy in their blue depths. He sat down in the big, bulgy old armchair that had belonged to Theodora's father. Ludovic always sat there, and Anne declared that the chair had come to look like him. The conversation soon grew animated enough. Ludovic was a good talker when he had somebody to draw him out. He was well-read and frequently surprised Anne by his shrewd comments on men and matters out in the world, of which only the faint echoes reached Grafton. He had also a liking for religious arguments with Theodora, who did not care much for politics or the making of history, but was avid of doctrines and read everything pertaining thereto. When the conversation drifted into an eddy of friendly wrangling between Ludovic and Theodora over Christian science, Anne understood that her usefulness was ended for the time being and that she would not be missed. It's star time and good night time, she said, and went away quietly. But she had to stop to laugh when she was well out of sight of the house, in a green meadow bestarred with the white and gold of daisies. A wind, odor-freighted, blew daintily across it. Anne leaned against a white birch tree in the corner and laughed heartily, as she was apt to do whenever she thought of Ludovic and Theodora. To her eager youth, this courtship of theirs seemed a very amusing thing. She liked Ludovic, but allowed herself to be provoked with him. "'The dear, big, irritating goose,' she said aloud. "'There never was such a lovable idiot before. He's just like the alligator in the old rhyme who wouldn't go along and wouldn't keep still but just kept bobbing up and down.' Two evenings later, when Anne went over to the Dick's place, she and Theodore drifted into a conversation about Ludovic. Theodora, who was the most industrious soul alive and had a mania for fancy work into the bargain, was busying her smooth, plump fingers with a very elaborate Battenberg lace centerpiece. Anne was lying back in a little rocker with her slim hands folded in her lap, watching Theodora. She realized that Theodora was very handsome in a stately Juno-like fashion of firm white flesh, large, clearly chiseled outlines, and great cowy brown eyes. When Theodora was not smiling, she looked very imposing. Anne thought it likely that Ludovic held her in awe. "'Did you and Ludovic talk about Christian science all Saturday evening?' she asked. Theodora overflowed into a smile. "'Yes, and we even quarreled over it. At least I did. Ludovic wouldn't quarrel with anyone. You have to fight air when you spar with him. I hate to square up to a person who won't hit back.' "'Theodora,' said Anne coaxingly, "'I am going to be curious and impertinent. "'You can snub me if you like. "'Why don't you and Ludovic get married?' "'Theodora laughed comfortably. "'That's a question Grafton folks have been asking for quite a while, I reckon, Anne. "'Well, I'd have no objection to marrying Ludovic. "'That's frank enough for you, isn't it? 
But it's not easy to marry a man unless he asks you, and Ludovic has never asked me. Is he too shy? persisted Anne. Since Theodora was in the mood, she meant to sift this puzzling affair to the bottom. Theodora dropped her work and looked meditatively out over the green slopes of the summer world. No, I don't think it is that Ludovic isn't shy. It's just his way. The speed way. The speeds are all dreadfully deliberate. They spend years thinking over a thing before they make up their minds to do it. Sometimes they get so much in the habit of thinking about it that they never get over it. Like old Alder Speed, who was always talking of going to England to see his brother, but never went, though there was no earthly reason why he shouldn't. They're not lazy, you know, but they love to take the time. And Ludovic is just an aggravated case of speedism, suggested Anne. Exactly. He never hurried in his life. Why, he has been thinking for the last six years of getting his house painted. He talks it over with me every little while and picks out the color, and there the matter stays. He's fond of me, and he means to ask me to have him sometime. The only question is, will the time ever come? Why don't you hurry him up? asked Anne impatiently. Theodora went back to his stitches with another laugh. If Ludovic could be hurried up, I'm not the one to do it. I'm too shy. It sounds ridiculous to hear a woman of my age in inches say that, but it is true. Of course, I know it's the only way any speed ever did make out to get married. For instance, there's a cousin of mine married to Ludovic's brother. I don't say she proposed to him out and out, but mind you, Anne, it wasn't far from it. I couldn't do anything like that. I did try once. When I realized that I was getting sere and mellow, and all the girls of my generation were going off on either hand, I tried to give Ludovic a hint, but it stuck in my throat. And now I don't mind. If I don't change Dix to speed until I take the initiative, it will be Dix to the end of life. Ludovic doesn't realize that we are grown old, you know. He thinks we are giddy young folks yet, with plenty of time before us. That's the speed failing. They never find out they're alive until they're dead. You're fond of Ludovic, aren't you? asked Anne, detecting a note of real bitterness among Theodora's paradoxes. Laws, yes, said Theodora candidly. She did not think it worthwhile to blush over so settled a fact. I think the world in all of Ludovic, and he certainly does need somebody to look after him. He's neglected. He looks frayed. You can see that for yourself. That old aunt of his looks after his house in some fashion, but she doesn't look after him. And he's coming out to the age when a man needs to be looked after and coddled a bit. I'm lonesome here, and Ludovic is lonesome up there, and it does seem ridiculous, doesn't it? I don't wonder that we're the standing joke of Grafton. Goodness knows I laugh at it enough myself. I sometimes thought that if Ludovic could be made jealous, it might spur him along. But I never could flirt and there's nobody to flirt with if I could. Everybody hereabouts looks upon me as Ludovic's property, and nobody would dream of interfering with him. Theodora, cried Anne, I have a plan. Now what are you going to do? exclaimed Theodora. Anne told her. At first Theodora laughed and protested. In the end she yielded somewhat doubtfully, overborne by Anne's enthusiasm. Well... Try it, then, she said resignedly. 
If Ludovic gets mad and leaves me, I'll be worse off than ever. But nothing venture, nothing win, and there is a fighting chance, I suppose. Besides, I must admit, I'm tired of his dilly-dallying. Anne went back to Echo Lodge, tingling with delight in her plot. She hunted up Arnold Sherman and told him what was required of him. Arnold Sherman listened and laughed. He was an elderly widower, an intimate friend of Stephen Irving, and had come down to spend part of the summer with him and his wife in Prince Edward Island. He was handsome in a mature style, and he had a dash of mischief in him still, so that he entered readily enough into Anne's plan. It amused him to think of hurrying Ludovic's speed, and he knew that Theodora Dix could be depended on to do her part. The comedy would not be dull, whatever its outcome. The curtain rose on the first act after prayer meeting on the next Thursday night. It was bright moonlight when the people came out of church, and everybody saw it plainly. Arnold Sherman stood upon the steps close to the door, and Ludovic Speed leaned up against a corner of the graveyard fence, as he had done for years. The boy said he had worn the paint off that particular place. Ludovic knew of no reason why he should paste himself up against the church door. Theodora would come out as usual, and he would join her as she went past the corner. This was what happened. Theodora came down the steps, her stately figure outlined in its darkness against the gush of lamplight from the porch. Arnold Sherman asked her if he might see her home. Theodora took his arm calmly, and together they swept past the stupefied Ludovic, who stood helplessly gazing after them as if unable to believe his eyes. For a few moments he stood there limply, then he started down the road after his fickle lady and her new admirer, the boys and irresponsible young men crowded after, expecting some excitement, but they were disappointed. Ludovic strode on until...